1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Oh, breathe in that Friday energy. It's almost the weekend. Good morning. What's up? Bill Writer? with you. A lot of stuff to get to. Famous person spotting by the executive producer of the show. A real chance for a no-context hug that I guess technically could have been considered assault. We'll get into that. we got Bum of the Week. we got Steve Berline. we got a bunch of stuff, but we're going to start with Jim Harbaugh. And outside of Michigan, I would imagine, but minus any emotional connection or irrational need for this to be true, I'm going to give you a perspective that is both fact and probably not widely shared or said. Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, under investigation, for sign stealing, people are pulling their hair out, everyone's on their high horse, people are angry, congratulations to Dan Wetzel, who's a friend of mine and a friend of the show who broke the story, but the real culprit here is the NCAA. Let me say it again, because you're going to listen to CBS Sports Radio, I'm sure I hope, most of the day, and you're going to read the sports content you read and talk to the people you talk to, and outside of Michigan fans, who I know are irrational, so we're just going to put them aside And I know they're probably agreeing with me before they've heard what I have to say. I'm telling you, this entire scandal, and he may have cheated. The program may have cheated. This whole thing, this outrage, the frustration, the very real consequences, I think one way or another, that are going to come from yesterday's news that Michigan is under investigation by the NCAA for a quote-unquote vast network, maybe they have it, of underlings stealing signs is all about the rot that is the cartel of the NCAA for multiple reasons. Here's the first one. This is a dumb rule. This is a stupid thing to make against the rules and to then, when you have made it against the rules, bring to bear if you want to punish someone. And trust me, the NCAA, the cartel that is that association, wants to punish Jim Harbaugh in a serious way. Let me just give you the details of this thing, okay? You are not in the college game, technically allowed to go to your opponent's games and to scout them in person. So if you're Michigan, you're technically not allowed to go to, say, a Penn State game and watch them play and scout them. 100,000 people are there. You can't have one of your scouts be one of them watching the plays. But it is not technically illegal to steal the signs. If you happen to see the coach throw a sign in, and you figure it out, that's technically okay. It's murky, but that's the general interpretation of the people doing the reporting. Well, it doesn't make sense. First of all, how are you going to look over at the coaching staff to steal their signs if you're not allowed to be there in the first place scouting the game? And second of all, give me a break. In every major sport, scouting is part of the deal. This rule doesn't make sense. My When I first moved to Manhattan Beach, a little beach community in L.A., this is a true story. When I first moved here, I lived in Missouri. I lived in the Midwest. I lived in Kansas City. My parents came out for lunch. They were in a nice little little uh, pub near the pier, tourists everywhere, and my parents were having a drink and thinking this is paradise. It was noon on a Wednesday. They looked out the street. Some guy crossed the street. He was jaywalking, and literally a siren beeped, and a cop got out of the car and gave the guy a ticket. Did my parents say to me and to the people watching say, you can't break the rules. That guy deserved No, it was a dumb rule. What Jim Harbaugh is accused of doing, and maybe he did, is jaywalking, folks. And let me say this to you too. Because we can get on our high horses and we can be morally incredulous and it always feels good to judge somebody else. Especially somebody sort of unlikable like Jim Harbaugh. Somebody on top of the mountain. This team is undefeated. They're number two in the country. They might be the best team. We'll find out soon in college football. We know before NIL and before the transfer portal. But really NIL. We know, you know, everybody knows. And I cover college basketball and college football. All kinds of programs cheated by pain players. I would put the number at 80%. I've had some former coaches try to convince me it's 50%. Reporters who cover the sport might say it's 90%, but the majority of programs in college football for 20, 30 years paid players and cheated. You had to come up with bags of money, find a distribution system, get it to them, and not get caught. If that was going on in a widespread way, are you really asking me, NCAA, the cartel of hypocrisy, to believe that the only program in America that is illegally scouting other schools is Michigan? If most programs 5, 10, 15, two years ago, and maybe today too, are willing to pay illegally for players, you think they drew the moral line at, we're going to do that, we're going to come up with a bag of cash, here's your money, here's your Benjamins, but we're not sending Harry over here to watch the Alabama game because that's against the rules. Of course not. It's a dumb rule, and the NCAA absolutely knows it. It's also stupid in the sense that it's very easy to negate the ability to steal signs. If you really think this is an issue, if you really think it's worth throwing the weight of your supposed moral authority, and the NCAA has none, they're a cartel, they're a mafia group disguised as an association for amateur athletes, but if you really think this is some kind of horrible thing, you, you can, it's, like, it's like discovering the internet. You can put microphone, C in the helmets so they can direct the calls right into the ear of the players in question, just like the NFL does. This isn't about Jim Harbaugh breaking some sacred NFL rule or football rule. It's about the NCAA being so antiquated and so corrupt and so full of it that they didn't allow the game to come into the modern realities of football, which is, hey, we've got this amazing technology I can see Tom right now, and we're 3,000 miles away, or you can actually speak to somebody, and you're not technically next to them. If it was this big a deal, the NCAA would have microphones in helmets. Look, maybe the guy cheated. Maybe he did. I don't care. I don't care at all. You tell me that they broke into the computer systems of Ohio State and stole their plays, hell yes, punish them to the nines. You tell me that Michigan had some, like, evil version of Rudy walk onto the Ohio State team and befriend everybody and be this plucky go-getter, but actually was sending secret plays back to Harbaugh with an evil cackle at night that was, like, anti-Rudy. You know what? Throw the book at the guy. Kick him out, Kick him out of college. Kick him out of the Big Ten tell me that Jim Harbaugh had people, and he's going to say that he didn't. He has said that he didn't. He has said through his attorney that he didn't. He's going to fully cooperate. Like, we'd all fully cooperate if the police came to me and said, we have spent the last three years absolutely investigating Bill Ryder, and his pattern of jaywalking is real. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to cooperate. But I go home to my wife and say, these losers, these liars, these did I jaywalk? Sure. Is it actually a crime? I guess so. Should I be punished? Of course not. You're telling me Ohio State and Iowa... And Michigan State, do they play this weekend, and Penn State, and across the country, because they've been accused of also, there's, oh my God, they're scouting teams that could be in the playoff, not just big, oh, they, a football team sent scouts to watch an opposing football team that they could play? Oh, you're right, throw the book at them. Let's give this the proper context, and I said this when it happened, I just didn't think, shame on me, the NCAA would have the audacity to be this on the nose. Remember at the start of the year, because one of the headlines out there, one of the, oh, let's tear our hair out and crucify Jim Harbaugh, is this is the second investigation in the same season, in the same span. No, this is a connection to that investigation. Remember, Harbaugh was accused of some minor violations, came up with an agreement with the NCAA, but refused to basically accept responsibility, say I did anything wrong. Because like me, the guy doesn't want to say I did something wrong, even if I was jaywalking. And the NCAA pulled, in effect, their agreement. Because they don't like, cartels do not like it when the people that are supposed to operate under their thumb tell them to go to hell. So Michigan and Harbaugh instituted, remember earlier this year, a three-game self-imposed ban for Harbaugh as a way to try to placate the NCAA. But you can't, you, you, you can't, you can't mollify the, the hypocrisy and the rage and the anger and, and the, the self-confidence and the self-righteousness of a cartel. You can't. And so this is not a coincidence. We told you when, when Harbaugh did his three-game, three, three game, I'm sorry, not sorry, apologies, sit out, but the NCAA sucks, wink, wink, press conference, that there was going to be a reaction. We've seen the NCAA punish coaches who have been on the phone too much. We've seen them pull the ability back in the day before NIL of very low-level players to qualify for their scholarships because they did some YouTube video that didn't mean anything. The NCAA has no heart. They don't care about the people who coach or play. They're about ego and money. And Jim Harbaugh did to the NCAA what he used to do to his GMs the NFL. He basically gave him the burden, said, I'm Harbaugh, I'm going to do what I want. This is a direct correlation to that. Now, if you're out there and you're mad, 855-212-4CBS, fine. Again, it maybe he cheated by the letter of the law. But give me a break, please, on the idea this is some, some, some sacred rule that's been violated. I remember once I was talking to a, to a coach about, about a recruit that he didn't get. You know how these recruiting websites work, right? Like this pretty daddy, five-star quarterback is on these six lists. And one of the lists was a coach. One of the schools was coached by a guy that I like and I know. Back in my college sp- football and basketball reporting days, and they didn't get him. So I took the guy out for a beer. I was in his town. And I'm like, sorry you didn't get pretty daddy. That, that sucks, man. Sorry I went to the other school. And he goes, are we off the record here? Like, you never quote me. I'm like, no, I won't quote you. You can't say my name to this. I'm like, okay. He's like, Bill, here's a deal. Every, have you heard that everybody said that this other school paid for this guy? I'm like, yeah, I did hear that. I'm sorry that you lost out to a school that, that paid him. That sucks if it's true. He's like, here's the reality, man. Everybody knows who they're recruiting. And if, 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 if I'm recruiting somebody that another school paid, that probably means I, I'm aware that, that I had to pay him too. And his point was, even he was cheating. He just didn't cheat as well. The so coach admitted to me that he was basically trying to pay a player and not to feel bad for him. Because if you're going to recruit a guy that gets paid by another school, you just didn't pay him enough. And my point is this. So many of these programs have cheated over the years because there's millions of dollars at stake. I don't think scouting, scouting teams in person is that big a deal. It is technically an NCAA violation. There is zero chance this is unique to Michigan. There is a 100% chance that this is the NCAA. understanding, you know what? We can't get Harbaugh for anything else. We'll get him for jaywalking. It is hypocritical. It is stupid. It is a dumb rule. It is the NCAA who's the culprit here, even if technically Harbaugh is wrong. And that's just the, the reality. Most people aren't going to say it because it's not an easy narrative to push, and it's really easy to come on the radio or to go write your stuff and say, this is an outrage, but it's not an outrage. In the context of the reality, it's not an outrage. One last thought. This is not a, not a shot at Dan Wetzel. I think he's amazing. And if I covered football the way he does, I would report this too. He's, he's got it right. But I just want to give you some context. Dan Wetzel and his colleague at Yahoo broke this story yesterday. Right? They broke it. And then the NCAA confirmed it pretty quickly. Here's how breaking news works. I cover the NBA. I know James Harden's pissed off. I know James Harden's disgruntled. I know this because he's told me in the whole world that he thinks Daryl Morey's a liar. So every day, every day, I text the GMs and the front office people that I know, with the Sixers and with the Clippers. I know to ask what's going on with, with Harden. And I hope they'll write me back and not these other bums who cover the sport along with me, although some are good guys. How did Dan Wetzel, and not a shout out to Dan Wetzel, he's great at his job, how did he know to ask this question? How did he know to ask, well, he's hey man, NCAA, source, what's up? Anything going on with Harden? No. Odds are they, they came to him. This is a coordinated effort. They leaked it to a very well respected guy, which is great. He's well sourced. And then they immediately confirm the report. And then the Big Ten immediately came out and said, we have credible evidence. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. When people are jaywalking, they don't think people are taking photos. The NCAA is hypocritical. They were always going to go after Hollerball. I don't care about this at all, and frankly, neither should you. 855-212-4CBS is the phone number. If you want to you argue, you've got a different perspective, I'm here for it. 855-212-4CBS is the phone number. Tom, Pretty Daddy, I have, a, I have an offer for you. It's exciting. Good morning, by the way. Good morning, Bill. T-G-I-F. Irony is I jaywalked yesterday with Lori in Manhattan Beach. I'm like, let's not do this. She's like, what are you talking about? Because I I know I've seen, my parents have seen the cops pull people. Jaywalking ticket. Can you imagine getting a jaywalking ticket for $150?
3: I do it on every single block in New York City.
2: I have an offer for you. My son Henry wants to go to a Chiefs game here in L.A. And I said to him yesterday on a lark, let's go to a game in Arrowhead. He's like, really? I'm like, I, we, you were born in Kansas City. i got friends there. i got a place to stay. It's got great barbecue. It's only like two, three hours from L.A., right in the middle of the country. But I looked at the schedule, and I don't think I can go this year, just because the dates that they're home at Arrowhead, I have work stuff going on. So we're probably going to go next year. Will will be three. Why don't you meet us in Kansas City next year to go to a Chiefs game? That's so nice of you to fly Come you out.
3: Will out and get us tickets for the football game.
2: I won't get you tickets. I won't fly you out. But I will find you a place to stay.
3: Hey, I'll take that. That's not bad.
2: I'll take you to Garozo's great little Italian joint. All right. All right. By then. By then, Harbaugh's probably gonna be coaching whatever team in the NFL the Chiefs are playing because that's the goal. This thing is to force him out. All right, you guys are calling in. We'll take your calls. 855 212 4CBS, the phone number. By the call, because Tom loves to answer phones. Pretty daddy. Loves it when you call in because his favorite thing is to screen phone calls at eight five five two one two four CBS. Please don't ever dance again with your tongue out. Look, you do, you do <laughs> whatever you want. What are, you, are you okay? That's my uh, phone call screening dance. <laughs> I thought it was your Friday energy dance.
3: <laughs> Somewhere in between.
2: What do you do on the weekend? Do you like? Do you go to a magical land where there's rivers of chocolate? You are such a weekend guy. Like on Fridays, you're just. Every day of the week, it, it dictates your mood. We live for the weekend, man. Monday through yeah, I mean, Friday, we grind, and we live for the weekend. I love this job. I love being here with you, Pretty Daddy. 855 212 cbs is the phone number. Give me a break. Give me a break. Oh, the NCAA. Please, for the love of God, can't believe I'm saying this. Let the SEC just take over everything and displant all those folks in Indianapolis. What an absolute joke. Uh, last night, the Jags won ugly. It was ugly. It was very ugly. But I think it says something about their pursuit of being elite and how close they are. We'll get into that. And Pretty Daddy saw one of the most famous people on earth. Did he give that person a no-context hug, and was it assault if it happened? We will talk about that next year on CBS Sports Radio.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or...
3: Welcome back to Writer Than You.
2: Well, anybody can approve it. I'm not sure that you're going to like who paid for it. Mm. Now
3: we're getting to the root of the problem.
2: I'm not saying a vacation from your family. I'm just saying, come on out of the (laughs) party. So that was a hell no laugh. On CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you. Steve Berline is going to be on the program about... 40 minutes from now, we'll talk some NFL. We've got a great buy or sell bunch of headlines from sports. Bum of the week at the end of the show, a bevy of great candidates. In about 15 or 20 minutes, we'll talk to you about some dysfunction in Milwaukee with Terry Stotts. I got a little insight, a little reporting insight on that, and we'll try to preview Dolphins, Eagles. Very, very, very interesting football game. Tom saw somebody famous yesterday. Let me give you a little context of the no-context hug, okay? I'm a big believer in moments that can shape our destiny. And I wanted to give Tom the opportunity, yeah, Tom, to just, you know, connect with some people at the office in a unique way. So I assigned unsuccessfully Tom the task of going up to the most um, intense, impressive, powerful, interesting personalities that, that operate in our building and just walk up to them and hug them. No context hug. I think, uh, I got Boomer Siason on the list, right? Boomer's in the office because of WFAN. Uh, Spike Eskin is our boss. Very impressive dude. Cool guy. Good guy. Wanted you to know context hug him. Uh, I don't know how either of those would have gone. Who else did I have on? Did David Marinick? was he also our boss, was on the list? Uh, yep,
3: two bosses and a former NFL MVP is what, uh, is what you assigned.
2: And you refused to do it. I think it could have been funny. You would have reported back what happened now. Yeah, talk to me. Funny for you. Yeah, Incredibly
3: weird and maybe uh, very influential on my career in a a negative way. way.
2: No, I'd be like, wow, that guy is bold. It's like office space. That guy has upper management. He just hugged me for no reason. (laughs) Uh, I think it's a good. By the way, Lori, my wife Lori, my Consigliori, who listened to the show, has come around, become a Pretty Daddy fan has a twist on this that I can't tell you but could be excellent.
3: You said I was that yesterday. I was your right-hand man yesterday. You're out, bro. You're out. Into here's why. It one day? 24 what hours? Happened.
2: I told you a few weeks ago when I was in New York that I saw Ryan Reynolds on the street. And I kind of, I didn't, I should have said hi. I didn't know what to do. And you texted me yesterday that you walked right by Ryan Reynolds. And here's my problem with you, Tom. This was the per... Perfect a little strong. This was a fascinating no-context hug opportunity on the streets of Manhattan. I now, what I don't know... strongly is disagree. Would it be... Okay. First of all, you saw Ryan Reynolds. You
3: didn't say hi, right? I said absolutely nothing. I stared right at him, probably very awkwardly. <laughs> um, I saw him coming, like, quite a ways away.
2: Hat shades,
3: like when I saw him? Hat down low, brim, like, trying to cover his eyes. Sunglasses. Um, listening to music. Like, he I did t- not want to be noticed.
2: I talked to Tiki about this, because Tiki's also... Did I put Tiki on the no-context hu- hug list? I should. That would be one I would do. Okay. I would Tiki's do that such one. a good guy. He and I discussed the, uh, the, the Ryan Reynolds thing. He said that I could say hi to Ryan. I could be, what's up, Ryan? Keep it moving. He did think the hug... He laughed, though. He did think the hug might... Here's the only thing. Would hugging Ryan Reynolds on the street be technically assault? Yes. And here's, do
3: you the, think thing? It would be? here's the thing about Tiki's advice. You know, the <laughs> former NFL <laughs> running back. Right. Tiki could hug Ryan Reynolds. And it mm. would probably still be a little bit awkward. We cannot hug Ryan Reynolds. Like I even tried to make a little bit of eye contact to like let him know, like, hey dude, I know so, you're Ryan Reynolds. And he'd be like he, he might just, say, I know you're pretty daddy. He just kept walking. He He's
2: didn't, tall. He's gotta be at least six three. At least. He's tall dude. Yes. Who's a, so my cousin who listens to the show? What's up, Ryan? Love you. Uh, my cousin Ryan, I think we discussed this and tweeted the photo out a few months ago, was on a train when he came to L.A. and was going to Santa Barbara, and Ryan Gosling was up sitting next to him, so eventually he went up and talked to him. Who's a bigger deal? Ryan Reynolds, or who, who's the bigger Ryan? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Reynolds. That's what I'm saying. You should know. All right. I think you know context hug Boomer and Spike to see how it goes, and then you build up to Ryan because you're going to see Ryan again. Did you see him on the street outside our building heading north?
3: Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe two blocks
2: away right, from so our building. Exact same path I saw him on. He he Maybe he's walking around looking for you. Maybe he went back to what's his wife's name? Uh Blake Lively. Blake Lively and said, Blake. I saw I saw pretty daddy. did you say anything? Did you did you give him a high five? He, I just got nervous and looked straight ahead. I don't think that's a world we're living in. Uh, poor Tom's in a bad mood because he really, you really wanted that game to be over. As you go to sleep last night. You were ta- we were texting each other during the game. Ugly game, Jag St. Good win though. Good win for Jacksonville. We both watched
3: every second of that game, and I was so fearful about overtime.
2: So I was fearful. rooting for overtime. I actually wanted you to have to stay up because I am a hashtag good person. Yeah, you're a great yes. friend. You're a great. I'm guy. a great friend. Uh, here's my here's my take on the Jags. Was it wasn't an ugly game? Of course it was. Did they give the ball away two times and almost three? There was a non-interception that Trevor Lawrence threw in the first half that looked like it had been picked off. It was overturned. It was in the end zone. It was not, in fact, an interception. It hit the ground first, but it was an ugly game. So two, almost three turnovers for Jacksonville. Should equal, especially when you're on the road, in New Orleans, not an easy place to play on Thursday Night Football. Thursday Night Short Weeks we've talked about historically. It's a lot, a lot easier to win those games when you're the home team. And that's true for underdogs, like big underdogs. These teams were fairly closely matched in terms of the spread. That is a game that Jacksonville should lose, 9 out of 10 times. Thursday Night Football, on the road, mediocre-ish Saints team, turning the ball over multiple times and yet that they found a way to, to get it done. Huge play, short little pass, quick pass to, to Christian Kirk at the end of the game that he took all the way, and, and the Saints made it tough. Saints were down, they came back, they, they tied the game late, they went for two, they converted that two to tie the game, and that Kirk touchdown for the Jags on what that next possession was Jacksonville taking the lead. And then the Saints, they brought the ball down the field, they had a shot a few times at the end zone, Derek Carr just could not get it done, could not get the Saints over that line. He looked really frustrated. So I know it's an ugly game. And I know it might seem a little counterintuitive for those of you like Tom that joyously stayed up late on the East Coast to watch it in all of its ugly beauty. It's one of those games like it's a wrestling match in the mud. This was not Chiefs-Dolphins, okay? This was not dolphins Eagle this weekend. This was not a pretty game. But I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, and I think it absolutely applies to Jacksonville. You look back at teams that win Super Bowls, and teams that come close, that are elite teams over the course of a season in the NFL, and inevitably they win multiple games where they don't play well, where they play ugly. It's a cliche, but it's true. Great teams find ways to win games when they play badly. They did not play, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a good game of football last night. They did not look particularly impressive. There were moments, a lot of moments, where where Trevor Lawrence looked not like he did under good old Herb, herb mired in, in dysfunction but there were moments where he just looked a little shaky and yet they got it done they found a way to win that was a really impressive drive at the end of the game in a tough dome I've been there a bunch of times that is a, a place and players will say this and always doing the lead-up it is louder than it sounds on television in person and is a harder place to play than you might think it is not an easy place to go for me Tom Jacksonville are edging and I know this fits with what I said at the start of the year so I want it to be true I think they're edging toward the elite. I think it's a really good win. I think we sometimes undervalue these Thursday night games when you're the road team that is not easy to do. And even though the Jags were home this past weekend, they were in London for two games, a week and a half, the games before that, there's always sort of a residual reality coming back, being jet-lagged. All that stuff adds up. Thought it was a gutsy win, and I think maybe they're not Miami and the Chiefs, but I think Jacksonville's pushing into that direction. I have them on a level, say, with Buffalo, and I think their ceiling might be higher because I still think Trevor Lawrence can be a top three quarterback in this league. We didn't see it last night consistently enough. I think that window has closed a little bit for Josh Allen, especially with his coordinator moving on. I love the direction Jacksonville's going.
3: I mean, look, what I'm about to say is going to sound like I'm discrediting Jacksonville, and I don't mean to do that. They're 5-2. and two. They've won four straight games. They played a bad football game last night, but they found a way to win on the road, which is not easy to do coming off a short week. And, oh, by the way, your quarterback is dealing with the knee injury. Yeah, right. Which, by the way, he rushed for a career-high 59 yards yesterday. So, you know what? Your quarterback's pretty tough, too. You found that out yesterday. I mean, look, New Orleans scored all of three points off of Jacksonville's two turnovers that you mentioned in the first half. Like, That's not supposed to happen. You're supposed to get punished for two turnovers in the first half. I'm going to give you a blanket statement here, Bill, and it's probably not sexy in any way. And maybe it's not fair, but I just... I think I'm tired of trying to evaluate teams, whether they're elite, not elite, bad football team. This quarterback is a franchise guy. He's a system quarterback. I don't think I can do it anymore off of a Thursday night football game. They're always ugly. They're always sloppy.
2: This is the Catch-22 of the NFL. We obsess over every single NFL game, and we, we, we dig into the details of every game. I don't think you can make an evaluation on any NFL team or player based on any single game. I think you have to look at the totality of these things. And so, Bill Parcells, man, I quote him way too much, but, I mean, he is the, the Nostradamus. Now, who, who's somebody that's quoted widely? He's the Churchill? It's a little, it's a little serious. He's the pretty daddy.
3: <laughs> that was, that's definitely not right.
2: sports. You're so quotable, bro. You are what your record says you are. And I think that is absolutely the case with Jacksonville. They are five and two. They have won three football games in a row. They beat a Saints team that's pretty good defensively. And I know Derek Carr is mad as hell. And last week was yelling at his offensive coordinator when maybe he should yell at himself. But he did throw the football like three hundred and twenty-one times. He had fifty-five passing attempts yesterday.
3: He never looks happy. He never no, he looks, looks happy.
2: He looks like a guy who wishes. This is he looks like a guy who wishes he was in Vegas still. Like dude, dude get over it.
3: He never right? wanted to leave. He still wants to be there.
2: Hey, man, when you, when you break up with somebody or they break up with you, you got to move on. you got somebody new. It's called the New Orleans Saints. That football team, it, he had the opportunity to tie that game, by the way. If he's a little bit better, if he's a little bit better, the Saints win that game, or at least you stay up later and, and, you're, and you're angry. And it goes to overtime. Oh,
3: my goodness. I was texting you nonstop just in fear
2: of overtime. Uh, those of you that don't have the pleasure... Tom is just a gift monster, and so like all I got were like just a series of gifts that showcased his emotions. <laughs> it's like your secret language. I mean, they were up
3: 24 <laughs> to 9. I thought I was good to go. Like you I can whatever. go to sleep.
2: No. With, when they converted, when the Saints converted the two-point conversion to tie the game late, I laughed so loud. My son goes, what's so funny? I go, I'm dead. He's just being a jerk. I got to send a text. Yeah, my soul yeah. left my body. Yeah, it did. What's soul? Uh eight five five two one two four CBS. All right. Um I, I do want to preview Dolphins Eagles. We want to get into that. But and, and we're on the air in Milwaukee, but that's not the only reason. Sometimes the key to success is being able to deal with your own insecurities. And so far Adrian Griffin, the new head coach of Milwaukee, not able to do that. An ugly and I think significant change from one of the favorites in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks, that we will give you some insight on after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bog.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome
3: back to Writer Than You.
2: Bill, I hear you're going to play tennis with Rip. This is on live TV, and Rip goes, well, if Bill plays me, and I go... I'm not going to play you, Rip. I'm going to destroy you. Oh, and Rip no. kind of did a double take. It just came out. This dude
3: played in the NBA. Yeah, I know. Confidence. Listen, I respect the confidence. I respect you being competitive. Don't say it out loud. Yeah, it Where came out. Everyone... Not only did you say it to Rip, you said it to everyone on national yeah. TV. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Big mistake. On CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back into the show. You really enjoyed that rejoin, Tom. Do you think, I'm telling myself, I'm just making an accurate prediction of events that are likely to unfold.
3: I'm glad you've done a 180 on this take that you're going to crush Rip Hamilton, NBA All-Star, NBA champion, in a tennis match. I'm really glad I'm not that you are
2: playing him in basketball. I understand. The dude was a professional athlete. Look, I tell the truth, the hard truth, on the radio for a living, and I'm going to do it in my, in my real life as well. Stream, here's a, here's a hard truth, but it's a good one. Stream the NFL on Westwood One for free. Sponsored by AutoZone all season long. You can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on the Odyssey app. Get in the zone. AutoZone, the free AutoZone fix finder service, can help you find a fix for free. Get in the zone. AutoZone restrictions apply. You know what, buddy? I'm gonna, I need you to have some belief on behalf of me and the show and yourself. You, like, for example, the no contact hug. I think you can do this. I think it would be funny.
3: Yes, if you didn't mention every influential person in the building that we work.
2: Yeah, but those people would see you, and they already like you, in a whole new light. The, whoa, the br- whoa, whoa, whoa. You assume they like me. They, we don't know that for sure. You are a universally likable person when you speak to folks, which you've done more of. You've been coming out of your shell. I'm sure Boomer
3: and if I was in front of him, would say, nice to meet you. I've never seen you before, even though I met him for the first <laughs> time
2: 12 years ago. I've seen that guy say hi to you in the office. You guys have a connection. <laughs>
3: Oh, yeah. Deep connection.
2: You're his emotional receiver, bro. He's, <laughs> he's throwing passes to you. You're catching him. The banter you guys have makes me jealous and uncomfortable. Definitely. Definitely. You want to do a hoopier than thou? Let's do it. All right. Bill Ryder has the NBA takes you need to hear. This is Bass Kit Bill. All right, Milwaukee Bucks, one of the favorites, come out of the Eastern Conference, and there is trouble in paradise in Milwaukee. It may not seem like a big deal, but I think it could be significant. Terry Stotts, longtime head coach of the Portland Trailblazers and stops before that, including Milwaukee. He was the lead assistant under rookie head coach Adrian Griffin. And he was hired before the Bucks went and got Damian Lillard, but it felt like a, a, a boon, right, an added bonus when Lillard came in, because Stotts and Dame have a great relationship, and beyond that, Stotts was going to be a big part of putting together the offense and the offensive plan for a Bucks team that's going to operate a lot in the pick and roll. People think, assuming health, especially if Middleton can get out there, that, that a Giannis-Dame-Middleton trio can be really dynamic. We know what Milwaukee can do offensively already, but Dame offers a totally different level of scoring, create his own shot, Massive score, obviously a shooter in a way Giannis is, and it, I think it's a perfect compliment. Stotts was going to be the guy that pushed that. And then abruptly, yesterday, out of nowhere, the guy just, this week, just he just upped and quit. He's like, I'm out. Deuces, see you later. And it caught Adrian Griffin by surprise. Now, there's been some reporting out there. I'll give you that, and I'll give you what I've been told. Uh, the reporting out there, I think Shams had the, the, the meat of this, but other places as well, that Stotts and Griffin had a bit of an exchange on Tuesday where Griffin basically wanted Stotts to come over to a coach's huddle. And Stotts said, one sec, I'm going to talk to these guys about the offense. And Adrian Griffin, presumably feeling like he was disrespected, said, get over here now, or some version of that. Some version of that. Just like like I want Pretty Daddy to do to his boss and the most famous person in his building when he gives him a hug, right? Just bold. And, And it didn't sit well with Stotts. Thought about it overnight, gave Lillard a heads up, and reportedly quit yesterday or Thursday. Somewhere in that, it depends sort of who you talk to when he gave when he gave his notice. He's just an assistant coach. I get it. They still have Giannis and Dame. I get it. And I do think that in a vacuum, Terry Stotts going away and whatever offensive excellence he was going to provide isn't that big of a deal potentially. The concern that I have is that it it could showcase that Adrian Griffin is way over his skis in this job, that he is not going to be able to handle the pressure and the difficulties of coaching a team where you have to win, you have to win an NBA championship this year, and there are, what, maybe five other teams, four other teams at a minimum that operate under the exact same threshold of pressure? It's certainly true in Boston. It's certainly true in L.A., even though it shouldn't be in L.A. It's certainly true in Phoenix, and I think Philly would probably tell you, for their own survival purposes, it's true there as well, and there's other teams I could point to. That's a lot of pressure. And one of the big ironies is, in talking to people about, about Stotts who know him, is that he is renowned to be a guy that, that will accept zero bleeps. He just won't. He just he won't. He won't. Doesn't make him right, doesn't make him wrong. The reporting and the conversations I've had out there that, that back up the reporting that came out yesterday, are well, there's two views of this within and outside the organization. One, Adrian Griffin was a little a little insecure, a little worried about, about Stotts, and didn't give him... The respect Stotts deserves is a long-time success story. The pedigree, the resume he has, too. Stotts was feeling all the feels and not adjusting well to not being the guy. Both are probably true. But the problem becomes, and the irony is, you hire hire a guy like Stotts, if you're Adrian Griffin, to help you through these situations that are going to pop up as a head coach that you just don't anticipate. And one of those situations, ironically, is how do you manage to command respect with a team when you have guys on your staff who have more success than you do? The person that Griffin could have turned to for help would have been someone like Terry Stotts, only he had the conflict with Terry Stotts. If you're Adrian Griffin, you have to know enough to know that, A, he's got political capital with Damian Lillard. B, and, and apparently Dame was spending a lot of time talking to Stotts, and was rubbing Griffin the wrong way, I'm told, which is so obvious and self-evident. Damian Lillard just showed up. He doesn't know anybody. He spent nine years with this guy. They're, they're basically friends. They have an amazing relationship. You have to, if you're Adrian Griffin understand how to manage Terry Stocks, Here, here's, and your own insecurity and your own ego. Here's why it's an issue, and here's why it's a problem. It is a sign. It doesn't mean it's proof positive, but it is a sign along the road to Griffin being incapable of handling the pressure and the magnitude and the difficulties of this team. And for, at, at the risk of making a really brutal comparison for NBA people, this reminds me of David Blatt. David Blatt was the coach that came from abroad, coached the Cavs got hired before LeBron came back, and then LeBron came in, and the expectations went through the roof. Now, David Blatt was one of the most arrogant people I've ever met in my entire life, and had the, uh, the people skills of Pretty Daddy when someone asked him for directions, which is to say, not interested in executing that part of my repertoire. It didn't go well. Adrian Griffin may figure it out. I don't know him personally. I, I do have friends who are really good friends with him, and love the guy, but he has to win now. He has to manage the team now. He has to win the team over now. And Even if he thinks this is him exerting his influence when he yells at Stott, Stott's quitting on Griffin undermines Griffin. Not a nice move by Terry Stott, by the way. It makes Griffin look like an amateur. It catches him by surprise. It leaves a huge hole in this guy's coaching staff. But for the Bucs, where the margins are going to be thin, the very real chance you have a head coach who doesn't know how to be a head coach yet and handle these things we don't see, that is a big problem in Milwaukee. And that was Bass... Kid, Bill. Best NFL game of the weekend by far, Tom. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know you're into the Bears and whoever the hell that dumpster fire <laughs> of my team is playing. I don't even know. I don't even care. Dolphins, Eagles, two five, and 5-1 teams. The game is in Philadelphia. There's a lot of ways to break this down. And you dive into the numbers, right? They They both have... The best two offenses in football, as measured by yards per game. Now Miami blows everybody away. Miami's one, Eagles are two. Miami, we know this. They average what? Almost almost 38, 37 some, 37 some points per game. Most points of any team in the NFL. Eagles are 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 fifth. at are right around 26 points per game. And the Eagles, on paper, actually have a, a better defense. They they allow a lot fewer yards. Things get a little tighter when we talk about points per game. Here's why I like. The Dolphins in this game, even though it's in Philly, and certainly over the course of the year, and I know that they're in, they're in different conferences to to be, I think, a better football team. One, and I've said this a lot. Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator, is going. He runs a complicated system. It's going to take a while for the Dolphins personnel to figure it out. It's exactly what happened with Spags his first year in Kansas City. But but I think Fangio's a better coordinator, and so does everybody else in the NFL. I think the Dolphins' defense is going to get better week to week to week, and that it could include this upcoming week. But the main thing is the reason that the Eagles don't score as many points in correlation with the yards that they operate with is because Jalen Hurts has turned the ball over a ton this year. And I know there's he's dynamic, and I know there's a stupid tush push, and I know that the Eagles have looked great at times, but you are talking about in Jalen Hurts, a quarterback who I think has taken a step back. The eye test this year, Tom, to me, has made him look a little on the rickety side. He has seven interceptions this year. That is a whole bunch of interceptions through six games. And you can't just look at the at the stats because he's got seven passing touchdowns, but you got to add the five was it five rushing touchdowns. So it's really twelve to seven. The number's not great. It's not horrible, but there is an ability and an opportunity for the Eagles to damage themselves, and they have done that and played closer games than they should have against teams who are not the Miami Dolphins. You got to win a track meet against Miami. Miami's defensive deficiencies, and again, I think they are a correctable. I think they're correctable this weekend under Fangio. But even if they exist, you it doesn't matter. They're going to blow you off the field. They're going to score a bunch of points. I don't think that Eagles defense is going to suddenly turn the Dolphins into the offense, into the Bears offense. So you've got to keep up. Maybe they're not scoring 41 points. Maybe they're scoring 35 or 32 or whatever's below their average. I don't think Jalen Hurts and the Eagles can keep up because Jalen Hurts turns the ball over way too much. And he's done that at at times. And the Eagles have played games at times and won barely against lesser competition. For me, Tom, it's a no-brainer. And as I talk about it, I'm going to bet on Miami. I think Miami's a better football team. I think they have the quarterback who is playing markedly better at this moment in time. And I think even though the Eagles are dynamic and have the opportunity to be one of the best teams in the NFL and could certainly make a repeat run to the Super Bowl, right now I take the Niners, but things can change, and I don't want to sleep on the Lions, I think the Dolphins are a better football team. I don't care the games in Philly. Give me Miami.
3: Bill, when we talk about Jalen Hurts, this was a guy who finished second in the MVP voting last season to Patrick Mahomes, who in all probability outplayed him in the Super Bowl. I know Mahomes was dealing with an ankle injury, but he outplayed him. Jalen Hurts was fantastic start to finish last year, and he's been fine. He's been fine. He can make up for what they've lacked in the passing game. We've seen stud-wide receiver A.J. Brown blow up at times already on the sidelines this year because we know the Eagles – Passing game is not what it was last year. Jalen Hurts has struggled. You mentioned the seven interceptions. He had six all of last season. Like, it just hasn't been the same. I'm confident they can figure it out. I don't know that they figured out You're going Dolphins. I'm going Dolphins. But I think the Eagles, long term, will be fine this season. Jalen Hurts to start this year has not been the guy that we saw last year that got him
2: paid this offseason. What's going to be interesting for the Eagles is whether or not there's enough on tape now. Last year was the first year Jalen Hurts played an extraordinary level. It, it, it's the first season, and it took a while for for people to figure out that Jalen Hurts was a was a menace, and that you as a defensive coordinator had to scheme specifically against him and worry about him on the level. To your point, that you did a Patrick Mahomes or a, or a Josh Allen last year, or whoever else you want to point to. What Tua is this year, right? And Tua. There's a lot of tape onto it because he played 7 or 8 games last season. We played the entirety of the games and they won all the games. Just like Brock Purdy now, I think has enough tape and I know he had a bad weekend last weekend. That what you see is real. This is the first year where there's enough film on Hertz that we might be seeing, seeing defensive adjustments. It's hard to know if it's a they didn't win but a Super Bowl hangover, that natural human reality that that Pat Riley talked about that just use it more that he's just had a lot of success and maybe just let go a little bit of whatever intensity got in there. If maybe it's just a, a statistical anomaly, but he to me Tom, he doesn't look right and I I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that that it's a sure thing he gets back to the level of last year. Josh Allen has fluctuated in his excellence. Justin Herbert has shown these signs of of being the next great quarterback and then there's just mediocrity again and again and again. I, we talked about this. I think Trevor Lawrence is clearly on the uptick, but it's been inconsistent. It's hard to be dynamic and great every week at the quarterback position in the NFL because of the quality of the opposition against you and the quality of the scheming against you in terms of the coordinators and how much effort goes into that. I'm a little, I'm a little worried. Jalen hurts ain't an A. That he's an A minus or a B plus. Last year he was an A.
3: I guess what I'm falling back to is I know that Eagles roster, especially offensively, has a lot of talent around him, and Jalen Hurts is not one-dimensional. If he can't figure it out in the passing game, he can rely on his feet, and that's not the first option. That should not be what
2: Eagles fans want to see, but he has the different way that he can beat you. But that does not work in the long run. I'm with you, but that is not a successful reality. Well, you know, we'll um, we'll ask Steve Berline about it. We'll get his perspective. We'll get his opinion, longtime NFL quarterback. NFL analyst, friend of the show, joins us next here on CBS Sports Radio.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.